Welcome to a Bit Cryptic Podcast, where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Hey, Cryptonauts. This is Jeff Peterson, and I'm with my co-host today. Bitcoin Van Gogh. And today we are interviewing the amazing Calvin Tran, filmmaker, storyteller, and producer of the Amazon Prime documentary series, Risky Presents Blockchain, where his associate Risky Rachmat interviews experts in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space to elucidate various aspects of the blockchain community. Basically, they're like us, but a much higher production quality, and they're on Amazon Prime, so that's like pretty cool. And uh, yeah, you guys are the first Amazon Prime filmmakers I've ever gotten to interview, so it's, it's, it's a new flag for us as a podcast. <laughs> yeah, good to have you on the show. Uh, so awesome. yeah, we're really excited to have you, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, uh, <laughs> this has been a fun ride doing the whole podcast circuit. My first time doing all this stuff. Yeah? What's, yeah. What, what's the podcast number for you? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm a young guy. I haven't been on many podcasts. It's just been fun to talk, you know? Yeah. I, <laughs> especially with blockchain, you know, it's a fun topic. Yeah. It's fun <laughs> to talk about something, talk about your, like, your own baby and talk about like kind of your work. It's It's rare that you get to do that in life, so I think podcasts are a magical place for... Yeah. Well, the whole, like, you know, the whole purpose is to talk about your project. Otherwise, if I was just to talk about my podcast, you know, if I was talking about my project, it'd be like, uh, kind of pretentious, you know, I can't just bring that up in a bar all the time unless I want to get laid. (laughs) And even then, like only very specific people would respond to that. You know, like most people would be like, uh, what the, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you can like pay for my drink in, in, in Bitcoin, I don't care. (laughs) Hey, someone get on that, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure this blockchain bar is like, I heard of them in New York and stuff. But um, no, you were telling us before we started the recording uh, about kind of how you wanted to represent your, your documentary. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, not just, I actually originally said that you guys were eluciting parts of the cryptocurrency community and you're like, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got a so, quick correction there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell yeah. us about what you were saying after that, because I thought that yeah. was was cool. Yeah. So big focus of our show was to get people to think about the blockchain technology as an industry that is beyond the just cryptocurrencies. You know, I, I've been in this space since like 2013, and back then, you know, that's all the talk of the town. It was all about you know Bitcoin and and you know then we got the 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 January 2014 rise to $1000 and all that kind of stuff so it was always about like investment money you know getting getting a ROI and whatnot but since then and coming back into the industry it is totally changed this is all about like a, a totally totally revolutionary protocol of technology so since i knew that if this if i was going to make an introductory series and i'm going to be like talking about blockchain to people for some some people would be like the first time they really think deeply about this. I want to make sure that this is about uh, the larger picture and that they g- get out of their minds just simply like these crypto anarchists who are like holding on to some magic internet money that's going to be like a million dollars somehow. Hey, instead, don't, shit, don't uh, shit on my magic internet money, man. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we're betting hard I, I, on it. 
I'm, I'm a hodl knot myself. I'm a knot myself, but uh, if I was going to introduce it, you know, especially if I was talking to my own parents, I wouldn't introduce it like that. You know, it's yeah, about of course. It. Absolutely. <laughs> so when you were talking there, you were bringing up a good point. Um, I think I'd have to agree that um, the way the cryptocurrencies or the blockchain um, world has gotten um, famous, or at least it has gotten out to the uh, general public, has been through essentially cryptocurrencies right. and not a lot of the other technologies um, it can bring, the things that it can make easier. Um, how are you planning to, to, as you said, elucidate that? So you, so you have the show, so the show is not just about cryptocurrencies. Right. Right. It, it, well, like first, I mean, I think the blockchain community has somewhat failed in the last 10 years to really tell people what's going on. I mean, it's been 10 years, you know, 2009 was when uh, I think Bitcoin was the white paper was put out there. And um, so it's been 10 years and yet we still have a lot of problems in terms of how we communicate this whole industry. I mean, one is that we still have this or, or we might be too much invested in deifying Satoshi. Like, you know, for, what, for all intents and purposes, I think what he did was a great thing in terms of leaving with his principles and tax, you know, staying anonymous, not being in the public sphere for too long. Because we needed on some level like this, this cosmological story about this anonymous man who created this incredible technology protocol or put together all these ideas from around the world and then one day he just poof is gone you know it's got like this uh religious aspect to it and i think a community needs those kind of religious stories on some level but we have to kind of move past that especially if we want to get to a point where this is not thought about as some kind of cultish or you know far you know uh, extremist group we need to be talking about um what this technology presents for for people particularly everyday people but also just to the world you know what's the real value proposition here and uh yeah so our approach was well let's one let's break down the simplest questions in terms of you know what do people keep asking me you know as someone who was in it in 2013 everyone in my community was like asking me questions about it. I remember I got like messages from alumni of my high school who were like, you know, asking me about like, how do you use Bitcoin? Cause I knew they were buying fake IDs or whatnot, but they're, you know, like they were asking like all these questions and I had to figure out what to say. And also like, I started getting the same question, like one, what is Bitcoin? How does it work? Um, and, and at some point I was able to like really break it down in under a minute you know if you can have an under a minute. minute in under a minute like that's the, the fact that i have can, to stop can we hear can we hear your under a minute elevator yeah, no that's 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 <laughs> well, well it's in one, the first one of my favorite pastimes in this space is just collecting metaphors <laughs> <laughs> well uh yeah it's well it's in our first episode and our first episode is uh free to free to watch on youtube it's under the coin spice guy uh, account um, but basically, the block—it's—it's it, it's a blockchain. The blockchain is a record-keeping protocol uh, that is decentralized. And what I mean by that is, instead of trusting your bank to tell you how much money you have in your account or whatnot, it's as if um, there are everyone associated into this economy is doing a ch each other's accounting to form a consensus, and then they publish that consensus every few minutes into a block, and then chain that to the last one that they made. And so if you have someone who's just untrustworthy, they're not going to be able to add to the consensus of, of the idea. And if, um, you know, 
it's just about building, you know, truth out of everyone else. So there's no central point of failure. And that's how I described it. And it makes sense to people uh, immediately. Like they don't have to think about, um, they don't have to think about like, oh, it's a distributed network of uh, nodes and miners. And especially if the word miners is such a terrible analogy at this point. And we only have it because people kept saying Bitcoin was digital gold. And so we needed miners to dig the gold out of the ground, right? Uh, so like we, we also have to like rephrase how our understanding of mining in a certain way. And so we also did that in the first episode where it's just simply you need the community to do work. So you have to incentivize that, you know, uh, you know, we need the community to verify the network. And so you have to incentivize that by giving them either one transaction fees or two newly created Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that, that's what mining is just having the community do something. Uh, and 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 for our listeners out there, I I do actually recommend for them to go watch it uh, in preparation <laughs> for this interview. I saw it myself, and I thought it was I thought it was it was very good. When you all walk into Hyperblock and you just see just those tons of I don't know if I want to call them miners now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find a new word. I mean, mining. Yeah, let's let's invent a new I'm, word right here. Let's let's yeah. Let's the, the something trans- right here on a BitCryptic podcast. Computers. I don't know. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah it is very know. high quality production um i liked it um i downloaded all the episodes because i have amazon prime oh yeah so i i, I and risky risky is funny he's yeah, funny dude. he's smart he you know he keeps it going so risky is a funny guy so i met him when i worked at mercatus and um he is a at night he's an urban hip-hop dance instructor at urban artistry and he also has done a lot of stuff within the dance community. I mean, if, if, if you guys are familiar with the, you know, the dance community out there, I mean, he knows a lot of people like Steve Tereda and all those kind of guys. And so he's been a part of that community for such a long time, but also he went to George Mason for economics. And so he knows like some of these like really incredible economic uh, uh, minds, thinkers, um, Brian, Brian Kaplan, Tyler Cowen, some Nobel laureates like Eleanor Ostrom. And, and so he studied economics and, and he's been a part of both of like, you know, left brain, right brain worlds of being both in the artist world, understanding culture, but also understanding the data and, and working with figures and philosophy and all those kind of things. So I, so when I was creating this concept of a show that we would explain blockchain in as simple terms as possible and to have it entertaining, like Rizky was top of the list right there. Like he was, <laughs> he's the perfect guy, honestly. Uh, but yeah. Also, I uh, just want to mention that for international audiences, uh, Amazon Prime is only available in the U.S. and U.K., so we are also on Vimeo On Demand. So I want to make sure everyone knows that. <laughs> we'll we'll link that up in the show notes afterwards. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so, so I want to I backtrack a little bit. Uh, yeah. You mentioned you, know, you were in this space since 2013. What, what's your background like in terms of how you got into this space and how you ended up What's your background in general, and then what's your background in, in blockchain, and how did how did you end up like making this documentary? Other than people were asking you questions, and you just got <laughs> with it and decided just to go the really hard way in making a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay, yeah. 2013. I'm a junior in high school, and I was into like a lot of the political philosophy I had gotten from like the 2011, 2012 Ron Paul campaign. So you know, a lot of that libertarian anarchist streak of the crypto community fascinated me. And um, a friend of mine at the time, he, over the internet, he sent me like a 10th of a Bitcoin, which is like 10 bucks at the time. I was like, oh yeah, this is my first, you know, I get to play with, you know, this, this internet money. Like, oh, this is something real. And, uh, and then I won a video contest at the Foundation for Economic Education 
uh, fee. And uh, they're, they're an organization that's very uh, friendly to the cryptocurrency community. And so I asked if I could get some of that prize money in uh, Bitcoin. So they sent me a whole Bitcoin at the time, $250. And then, uh, so I, I was like really a player now. Like I had some, I had some like really interesting uh, perspective of which the community in my, my hometown in Michigan was uh, interested in. And then of course, 2014, January, we get all the way up to $1,000. And I'm living life and then crashes down to like what, back to 200 and then slowly climbs up to 600 or something like that. But um, throughout that time, you know, I was just learning more about the community. I joined uh, Crypto Coins News in May 2014 uh, as a, like a video journalist. And I was covering a lot of different topics from, you know, um, like Bitcoin Pizza Day, I think Business Tech Insider and um, no, Business Insider and TechCrunch quoted me on that. So that was like a nice validating thing that I'd been in the community enough to have a voice. And then uh, we covered things like, um, you know, the the mashing, the, the, the hashing of the mining pools at the time were like reaching 51%. And, you know, it was like a crazy early day of the crypto community. But um, I, I was really learning a lot about what was going on. Also Silk Road. I covered the Silk Road trial when I came to New York. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was, it was a crazy interesting time. And then as college started really bearing down on me, I had to kind of step back from the community a little bit and, uh, you know, focus on school. But then in my senior year, just last year, I was, I wanted to focus into it again because I had been in that space and, uh, I was thinking like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I'm about to graduate college. And, um, what's unique about me? Why should I have a voice compared to these people who are doing like you know, fashion films and music videos and, you know, all these other things. And what was different about me was my philosophy, uh, was my interest in economics and, and crypto community and all that kind of stuff. So I decided my senior thesis documentary would be about blockchain. So we shot the pilot of this show and, uh, you know, it was just, it was just like the, it was similar to the first episode, but the first episode that we see on Amazon and everything, that's a totally different uh, show completely. Like there's no carried on footage at all. So we're really glad that we did that because the pilot episode, as much as it was, I loved it. It was small scale. We went up to Albany and uh, met up with a miner there who was like mining three video cards in his parents' uh, attic. <laughs> it, was, it was really, it was really funny. It was very, very homebrew, and it was funny. We go up these stairs, and we open the door, and it's this pink room lined with like stuffed animals, and like this is his like sister's uh, bedroom, and then he goes <laughs> to like the TV stand giant tv and like pulls it out from the wall What's, what the fuck's going on and then he opens a door behind the tv and it opens up and then there's just a bunch of flashing lights everywhere and then we step in like yeah this is the this is what mining looks like uh for some people <laughs> and and that was you know that was great for like if we want to understand like the early world of of blockchain yeah, that's i kind of want to keep that like <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds hilarious i saw the footage i may put it in some kind of behind the scenes stuff uh but uh yeah. Uh, then we in the in the show for the actual season, we wanted to reapproach that topic because one, we were explaining the, the the blockchain a bit better at that point, and also we just wanted to bring up the scale more, and also like want to see what actually like contributing to the to the networks mining looks like. Like you have to be on that level of a scale to compete with you know China and and Russia and all those kind of things. And also I knew that those, those communities, those in, in the, that industry of mining was reaching a lot of, uh, a lot of negative press because, you know, energy usage or the noise or just the community not understanding the blockchain. They feel like it's this weird 
thing that's wrong or bad or you know it's part of the anim- automation craze and all that kind of stuff so you know we, we want to bring that topic up and, and really dive into mining on a larger scale and uh, yeah and now you said that um, you know there was a lot of negative press and earlier on you were talking about how the crypto community as a whole hasn't done a good job perhaps putting forth Absolutely the vision not. that they see but um, there's also a lot of negative press as you said there's just there's a lot of every time at least in the early days and, and not too long ago every time anybody been, mentioned bitcoin the silk road and it's good for nothing but buying drugs that was the narrative no matter who were they who were they interviewing that was that was like the main question they pestered them with yeah yeah do you feel that that's still the case or are we sort of beyond that and um with what you're doing in, in amazon what are you trying to overcome? What is the vision that you're trying to, what is the narrative essentially that you feel is coming from the outside and the narrative that you want to put forth? Well, like that narrative still exists. Like if you look on blockchain, like you go to Amazon prime, you look up Bitcoin and blockchain. Like I think we are number one on blockchain, but if you look up Bitcoin, we're like number 10 or something like that. So that's why I need everyone to go to Amazon prime and watch it so that we get up in the <laughs> algorithms. Um, but like the other documentaries were the ones that I covered as a journalist, like back in 2014, 2015, and then even in 2016, I was at the Bitcoinist and those documentaries, you know, we're talking about life on Bitcoin we're talking about, um, the rise and rise of Bitcoin, ulterior states, all Bitcoin, the end of money as we know it, all these weird documentaries that focused on like Mt. Gox, Silk Road, Raw Selbrick, um, Eric Voorhees, like all this early stuff. Even the la- the latest blockchain one that you're going to see, I think, on Amazon is called Next Blockchain or something like that. And it opens up with Charlie Shrem. And I like Charlie Shrem. Good guy. Took the fall for some things. Not, you know, went to jail, all that kind of stuff. But his story comes from literally like 2015, 2014. Like it is an, it's an antiquated thing to talk about. And it, again, it talks about fraud and securities, you know, law and all that kind of stuff where like we should be moving past that because right now we're looking at an industry that is, you know, increasingly international. It's an industry that is uh, increasingly diversifying into different industries. It's one that is not about money and securities law, but more about like internet security, privacy, data, um, all those kind of things that, like, why hasn't that been brought up? Again, this is 10 years since the beginning of Bitcoin. We should be at a place where we need to get past that. And so that's really why, that's really the kernel of why we made this show. We just got to get past that. I don't see anyone else doing it. And uh, it's time to bring it to the fore, you know? Yeah, and, and there's so many facets of blockchain. I mean, we've interviewed such a variety of interesting guests who are using it to power things like, you know, health data, AI. What's uh, the most exciting for you? The most exciting for me? Yeah. I think, I think the ability to control data such that you create like some really interesting real world applications. Like, um, for, exa- for example, uh, healthcare. I mean, so I, I'm, I work in healthcare normally. I'm an MD PhD student, but um, I, have, I have my doubts on like how much that'll move just because of the regulation involved. Where I think uh, you'll see more of it is like in other countries um, where like there's not as much red tape around the laws regarding this stuff. But I think even more than healthcare is something like um, like land titles. We interviewed some groups that were looking at putting putting um, land titles on the blockchain, and 
there's a, a couple economists that talk about how you can't really have like a fully flourishing economy um, without real estate. Cause really like if you want to take out a loan, like you have to put um, source, some sort of like lean, some sort of like uh, deposit, something, something to like right, collateral. collateral. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, that was, that was Patrick Byrne. Wasn't Patrick it? Patrick Byrne. Yeah. There we go. Oh, that's shit. Overstock man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we interviewed Patrick <laughs> Byrne. Zero. Yeah. zero man now. <laughs> so we interviewed Patrick Byrne and um, yeah, they're doing stuff in Africa that basically put uh, all these land titles on the blockchain to simulate these economies because mm -hmm. what happens when you have collateral for people, then all of a sudden you, you create like this cycle of wealth because you can have people take out loans now. Right. Right. And when you have people take out loans and they can start businesses and then they can create valuable uh, things through those businesses versus like when you're just working for wages, like you're just stuck in right. this cycle of poverty. So right, right. having um, like development economics is a big part of like what this industry needs, I think. Cause like, you know, like when you look at places in uh, like Africa, particularly like I'd say Kenya would be like a huge place where this could be because they have such big mobile integration and yet they don't have like the strongest property rights. They don't have the strongest, uh, uh, good regulation of like a good market you know yeah. um, if you could automate a lot of this and get it out of the hands of corrupt uh, uh regulators that would be incredible and i think blockchain would be a huge part of that there's like a blockchain documentary on that but that was like also 2014 old yeah. stuff well you know maybe you should have season two and uh we could probably put you in touch with patrick if you want ah uh, please do we are we are trying to we are in pre-production for season two we're, we're developing out um season ideas right now and we want to go more international we want to talk about more of the larger implications and the also the culture wars within the crypto community because you know like there's there's a proof of work proof of stake kind of battle there's the uh, lightning network versus you know layer one battle and uh you know those are those are real questions which now after you've now been introduced to the industry now it's time for you to like you know if you want to be a part of the community yeah time to talk about you know what sides you you want to be a part of or whatnot there's so a lot of there, potential there are a lot of um inner narratives i guess in the community and a lot of battles as you put them but uh some people are still asking you know when is the the first real app that everyday users um can point to and say oh yeah i use this and, and it sort of kind of like even blows up. A lot of people say it's going to be Facebook, something like social media. And we've seen them having a lot of issues with shadow banning and doing things behind this, the, the scenes that right. you know, obviously they're not going to show their algorithm. And blockchain in, in some ways might be very good for that. Do you have an idea or as to what that application could be aside from money? Everybody always... Fox money already but do you see something coming like what what do you think would hit big well we're in this world of um third-party cloud computing because it's just we, we found it to be simpler for a lot of our application uses if it were to be centralized you know like that's why we have um that's why we have these companies like that like that's why these companies aren't also open source you know um, we have AOL trying to uh, centralize the internet back in the 90s. Um, we have uh, Facebook now kind of monopolizing the social graph. And that's on some level that that's part of what makes it easier to integrate uh, uh, ourselves onto these onto the application layer of the internet. Um, that, that's part of why I think like it's kind of inevitable that we will have the layer two of the blockchain where uh, we have businesses needing to 
hold on to some kind of IP or some kind of uh, uh, property data, whatnot. And so they're going to keep it as in-house as possible. And so Lightning Network will probably be one of those first application layers. I mean, especially so if money. Bitcoin. So you think it's money? I actually do think it's money for now. I mean, that's the first one. I mean, because one, I mean, blockchain is going to become much more of a back-end thing ultimately. And I don't like that. I think I think the blockchain has made it optional if you want to go through a third party like that but ultimately for the wider use of of the community out there they're going to defer trust and everything to a third party and and so the companies like lightning network square will probably be one of those first things as far as data goes i don't think there's much of a like there isn't the same push for uh, putting facebook onto a blockchain system you know the guys at blockstack are I love them a bit and they're doing a lot of great work. It is tough though if if they like they have to figure out how they can compete with Facebook or these like Twitter or whatnot or Instagram. Uh, because as far as it goes, they're kind of just copying pasting the user experience. They are developing a lot of great stuff, but like how do we then get your own like family, siblings, and friends to then go onto that platform if the experience is just similar? to it and as far as it goes unless you are getting banned or shadow banned then you're gonna then you're not gonna leave that's why we have gab but gab is filled with like you know people who were banned for arguably good reasons you know and so like i wouldn't want i wouldn't want Blockstack to get flooded then with a bunch of gab type uh people you know could you, could you tell us about gab so gab is that social network that says that they're like you know we're gonna be pro freedom of speech ultimately like 100% great mission. And then they just got flooded with everyone who was shadow banned off of the other networks, which were essentially, you know, I don't want to say they're all Nazis because Nazis is like a, they're trying to use the word Nazi as like a blank check for a lot of banning things, but they were people who were distasteful, you know? And so like, they're all going to Gab. And so Gab's community is distasteful at the very really least. Toxic. Lots of yes. things happening. Yes, it's it's toxic. So uh, I wouldn't want then like blockchain uh, companies to then like we're welcoming everyone, and then the only people who come are these kind of distasteful people, and then our community is just soured. You know, we want so, a way to get people on without that. Yeah. So your 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 essential argument is that right now, the big players in social media, um, for most people, they're not getting shadow banned or whatnot, so they don't see they, they don't have a big reason to leave that network. You know, the network effect is already in full play. They're not feeling the pain, uh, yeah. so they're going to stay. Um, yeah, like like my parents are on Facebook because they want to connect with the other uh, Vietnamese families that they've gotten to know over the years, the refugees that they know that they were refugees with. Um, they could not give less of a shit about like, uh oh, um, you know, they're shadow banning Alex Jones, <laughs> you know, like, uh oh. Yeah. Uh, and the privacy data, though, might be one of those kind of things, though. If Facebook is going to continue getting shut down, and you remember if uh, like last month in, in March, they got subpoenaed and then the next day they went down for like 12 hours, like, there's all that kind of shady stuff. That might be something. But again, Clearly, it's been a month afterwards, and we're we're not off of Facebook yet. I'm not off of Facebook yet. Yeah. Now, so, like, now the network but, effects are just too strong. I mean, yeah, but but there are so. Let me put a scenario for you, right? So yeah. there are there are other industries, mm -hmm. and perhaps some that are that have to do with a different demographic. Um, there's there's gaming, right? And there's a lot of kids, a lot of millennials and younger, and even some older folks. Because I'm still a gamer. 
um, <laughs> that, that are playing Fortnite and um, a whole bunch of different games. Yeah. And, and digital assets are a big, are, are a big industry. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a big industry. Um, right now, everything is a wall garden. So if you have what, whatever digital asset you have in one game, you really can't carry it over. You can't really sell it. Mm-hmm. They change the rules on you. And some folks like uh, um, Mike Novogratz, you know, he's betting big on digital assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, other, other companies that are betting big on it. Do you see anything else similar to that or what do you do you have an opinion on 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 that or or something that that we could make a dent with like now (laughs) i mean the the issue is that like what is a sustainable business model that utilizes what we hope like what we're hoping for is like this open source world a decentralized world a world where the social graph isn't monopolized where like our networks aren't you know, monopolized, but then like, if they're not monopolized, but then we have kind of a tragedy of the commons or bystander effect on the incentives to keep uh, updating and maintaining those networks and the social graph and the user experience, you know? So like, I feel like, you know, those things are possible, but as far as like an actual company being able to monetize it, pay people, you know, a good living wage and, you know, stay there for as long as they can and attract investor money, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't see that yet. You know, that, that's why, like, that's why we are so excited or the community gets so like excited or, or angry when someone like Jack Dorsey comes in there and tries to build a business on this kind of stuff, you know, like it's, it's exciting, but it's also, I, we have to see how it plays out. I, I, I'm a bit more of a pessimist, I guess, on, on a lot of these kind of things. Yeah. And for, and for those who have been living under a rock, Jack Dorsey is the uh, CEO of Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, square. square, yeah, yeah, and he's a big, big, big proponent of Bitcoin. He thinks Bitcoin is going to be, you know, it's going to, it's one world. It's going to be one currency, and it's going to be Bitcoin. Well, he's hedging Square to take on the Lightning Network, so that that's. I see it's a bit more insidious than that, but yes, <laughs> yeah. it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. It will be a. Hopefully, it's not too much of a hostile takeover. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't think you. It, it's going to be a matter of like you know. Is it going to be worth it for people who are new to it and don't want to spend too much on Bitcoin, but you know are going to be introduced to this industry? They probably will be attracted to something like that, and that's not a pro- that's not like bad. But you know, one thing that I keep arguing with uh, 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 Bitcoin maximalists, I guess, is like you know, if if we have a world where people are using Bitcoin on a something like a Lightning Network, that itself is a centralized, controlled, you know, company. And so you don't, you don't want, you don't have the decentralization that you're arguing for. You also don't have the uncensorability aspect that you're arguing for. The best thing that you have is like possibly usable, usability. But um, again, like blockchain technology has made that kind of optional to go through a third party, you know? Right, right. At least you have the option if you're technically savvy enough and have like, you know, the the willingness to learn about everything on the back end because it is it is extremely user unfriendly when yeah. you first get into trying to do things without all those applications on top of it. Right. right. I, I'd like to go on the record. I'd like to go on the record and say that it could be money, but um, I think there's a lot of good applications out there that that, that could still happen. Maybe like you know decentralized Uber or something okay. else. Um, yeah, um, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, something like Uber is, you know, it is decentralized in the sense that their labor force is, you know, grassroots. It comes from uh, the decentralized uh, supply of cars out there. But then there's also that technological centralization. And like, that's the, that's the curiosity. Can we decentralize the company itself? I don't know. Uh, sure, sure. There's a really good book that uh, that I mentioned a lot on this podcast called um, "The Starfish and the Spider," mm-hmm. which is all about decentralized organizations. That um, it was actually it actually predates uh, cryptocurrency. This whole book doesn't even talk about cryptocurrency once, but it's extremely relevant to this community. And it's all about how decentralized organizations work, what makes mm-hmm. them successful, and uh, it was really funny reading listening to this book um, because one of the things they talk about that's like central to a decentralized organization uh, is like having a leader that basically steps out and disappears. So it was, it was basically like telling the story of, um, of Satoshi Nakamoto, but like through other examples of other organizations, it was really interesting. Yeah, Um, I mean, you need that kind of deification. You need that kind of uh, cosmological story to get people be a part of an open source community like that. But but then have the leader disappear as opposed to actually staying there, right? Right. Because um, if they stay, they're gonna lose. They're going to ultimately lose their principles at some point. That's I think why you have to leave. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna make a project, you have to be the the symbol of the principles, and then before you become the villain, you have to leave. <laughs> yeah, um, and then that also like leaves space for new leaders to come in too. So now we oh, have yeah. Oh, yeah. Lightning Network, you know, uh, Jack, all, all these people that have now stepped in to be leaders of the community. Right. Uh, anyway, I want to. I want to. We're like getting lower on time, so I want to talk oh, a little sure. bit more about your documentary so i'm just curious like what what are some of like the most interesting things you uh you learned making this documentary and then second question how can we uh, get our podcast on amazon prime and or uh how can we <laughs> how, how does that, how does that work like doing getting an amazon prime documentary i'm curious how that works behind this there are there are a lot of ways but i'll, I'll tackle the first one yeah. um so sorry what was the first one again <laughs> first one was like what are some of those interesting things oh yeah 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 the, the one was i mean the guys at Blockstack, i like like i i criticize the well i don't criticize them what i said about Blockstack earlier was more like you know it's going to be that's their challenge they have to get past the fact that they're these central companies that have the incentive of the investor money to do what they're doing uh, on a centralized matter not on an open source matter um but what they are doing is incredible i mean that the fact that they've created a blockchain name system to replace the dns is insanity like like when i when i read through that white paper and i kind of broke through the mental model like i understood it like that was incredible that we could create a a uh, blockchain based internet decentralized internet where servers don't have to be you know controlled by some palo alto you know zip code um, that was that. That's one of the most exciting things that that we uncovered, and then, but but each episode kind of kept me going inspired. So the third episode is about investments and like tokens specifically. The fact that you as an individual could tokenize your projects down to like you know the billionth uh, token was also incredible. Um, just like you could lower the cost of investing in a real estate, you could lower the cost of investing in these different projects. You could raise money by selling equity into all these different projects. An incredible feat that is technologically enabled, not just regulatorily enabled. Um, and that's something that like, I'm kind of considering for maybe season two or something like that, or, you know, try to try to figure out the next step. Um, the, the fourth episode also blew my mind away because that's about like decentralizing democracy, but not just like 
oh, you go to the voting booth on November 4th and you, it's just a blockchain computer or something like that. But instead, reimagining the entirety of uh, democracy as not just voting, um, but as including every aspect of which you impact the world around you. You know, like social media is one way that you impact the world around you, but it doesn't have institutional impact. You could be a very influential podcaster, but you don't, that doesn't play into your ability to vote for an, an, uh, an elected uh, official or whatnot. Um, so like what they're doing is imagining democracy as a social media platform that has institutional power. Uh, and, and utilizing that with an ERC20 token, like that's, that's, that's crazy. That's huge. That could be huge, not just for us who have a functioning democracy, but for developing democracies and, uh, you know, things like that. It'd be an interesting case. So those, those three projects were probably the most exciting things. That's why I included them into the documentary. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how does, how, how does an entrepreneur get, you know, that was the second question. How, how do we get on Amazon Prime? Us or anybody else, not just you. Uh, us, but mostly us specifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to give away the secret sauce too much, but uh, I mean, I mean, they're they're distributor companies that handle everything. Now there is a program called Amazon Video Direct, um, where uh, you as a user get to upload. It's like user-generated content, um, so you could upload it as long as you're following all the legal and uh, aesthetic guidelines that they give you. Um, but that that's a whole that's that's that thing so all right is there um is there anything else we haven't discussed that you want to talk about before we leave you today um i i just love enjoying talking about the community honestly i kind of want to know more about um what 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 are you most excited about topic wise part partially so i can kind of know about where i'm headed um, one thing I was thinking about was, you know, places where they're developing political conflicts like Israel-Palestine or Venezuela or the use of blockchain technology in the military, like Space Force. Like it would be a very, it'd be a very 21st century job title to be a blockchain engineer uh, in the United States Space Force, you know, <laughs> like, like that sounds incredible to me. But, but I want to know more about what you guys are excited about. So I'll, I'll give you... So a lot, of, a lot of the talk when it comes to blockchain uh, and it comes to bringing it into the masses, a lot of it has to do with, you know, third world countries or something along those lines. I, I would like to see something that I think in, in, in the first world countries takes a hold because I think that's what's going to push it forward the most. Obviously, you know, something if it takes a hold anywhere, you know, it counts and hmm. it's going to happen. I don't know if anybody is working on something uh, for for uh, DNA, you know, right now when you go to twenty uh, three and Me or whatever it is, you give them all your DNA. But I just think that that's that's something that somebody needs to be working on, where you put all your DNA. It's encrypted on, you know, on whatever blockchain. And then let's say a company like IBM says, "Hey, I want to test, you know, um, how many people have this this gene or whatever." And they submit the code that does it. It gets looked at from a third party and they say, yeah, this code only looks for this and this DNA will let this code run on everybody's genome and come Whoa. back with the, with that answer. Whoa. And then that's inspected on the other side and it says, yeah, it's only a yes or no. Mm -hmm. And then you get to decide how much info you give, you know, and so your whole genome is up there, something like that, you know, that, 
that's that's causing issues. Upload like, your genome to the blockchain. That's insane. That's yeah, and then but then so there's a third party that that looks or mm -hmm. it, obviously you you get to say yeah I want this to run as well, but you're not gonna look at IBM's code or whoever it is that's trying to find out. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, if you have this, how many people have this gene for cancer or whatever it is? So mm -hmm. it'll be like a third party that looks at it and says, "Yeah, the answer is either going to be yes or no for these people." And then how much of your information you want to share? Yeah, something like yeah. that would be great, as opposed to just giving your entire genome and you're like, "I don't know where this is." Right, and, right. and, and, and find out that the FBI is going through it, trying to find out if your brother is a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yeah. apparently has happened. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Stories of that now where people are like figuring out murders from all these 23andMe things. I think and, that'd be an interesting um that'd be an interesting test case for talking about the block stack guys, because you know, they have that decentralized blockchain name system where like if your genome could be stored on a, a data locker that is decentralized, but then you give access on a surface level then you could source the blockchain name system. You could, you could source the BNS for genome data without tying it to exactly individual identities necessarily or something like that. And, and, and if that's not out there, I'm patenting it. So I want them <laughs> to right cut. Now. <laughs> we can wait a few weeks to publish this so yeah. you can get that patent out. A big cryptic has, has, has the rights. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's crazy. If you read the, the privacy policy for some of these companies, they own your genome. A lot of them, like, yeah. like yeah. you do a test and they, they own your genome code, which is kind of like not okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, really fucked up actually <laughs> yeah. so I, I think that's big overall we sort of didn't get to talk about it because you know we ran out of time but privacy is also big mm -mm. there's there's a lot there's a lot to blockchain yeah yeah so or go ahead one, one last uh, comment and then uh, and then we gotta go <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i just think you know privacy is it's something that very specific people are willing to value and it comes at a cost and i'm willing to value it you know but it's it's hard to get everyone else to value it when the cost is oh i have to i have to disconnect from the social graph that i'm already connected to um i have to uh go through certain protocols just to maintain the privacy uh, it's it's a tough one to crack but i think that like, that's clearly one of the biggest places where blockchain has a big value add but it's it's a tough one to sell maybe maybe we could do some more on that season 2 you know really sell that to people the revolution starts here <laughs> revolution won't be televised but it will be uh put on your podcast there you go <laughs> uh so where can people find more about you and your um well they can follow me on twitter uh, i guess i'm i guess i'm going to become more of a crypto uh blockchain personality on twitter now just because that's like half my following right now is it's blockchain based so you can follow me at, at Calvin the Bold without any vowels or spaces. <laughs> so, C L V N. Calvin the Bold. Yeah, I got that from a Calvin Hobbes comic back in, when I was in sixth grade. So, you know, I just kept it ever since because Calvin Tran is a generic name on some level. And also, there's a fashion designer named Calvin Tran. So, it's just really tough to like claim a clean name. So, I was like, Calvin the Bold, Calvin Hobbes, Bill Watterson. <laughs> So yeah, you can follow me there and then you can find out more about the show um, at our website, nodehouse.co. That's N-O-D-E-H-A-U-S. That's the German spelling of house. Um, nodehouse.co. And uh, you can find out more about what we're doing out there. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, follow, so yeah, also make sure everyone knows that you can watch it in the U.S. on Amazon Prime or they could go to Vimeo and buy the full season 
uh, internationally. Very cool. Well, you heard it here, folks. Thank you so much, Calvin, for coming on. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch the rest of the episodes. I already watched a few, so I'm gonna... <laughs> looking forward to having you here again. You know, there's obviously a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you yeah. soon. Stop Thanks, binging Game of Thrones and start binging this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. It's worth it. Yeah, it's 110 minutes, so it's like it's super accessible. You know, this is the kind of stuff that I hope uh, you send to your uncle at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hopefully, hopefully the the bull market continues out then, so that you don't look like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once everyone's asking about it, you got to time it when everyone's interested again. When the price starts going up. Well, our show launched on April 1st, and the bull market started April 2nd. So <laughs> you you connect the dots. All right, Calvin. All right. Take care. Guys, don't freeze out there. <laughs> I'll try not to. In it's the winters of you, well, the spring, I guess, of New York. But. Yeah, it's pretty warm today. It's actually 60 degrees, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's basically freezing for Miami. But <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic podcast. The podcast is hosted by Rob Peterson, Alain Leon, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Website created by Coco Liu and Kevin Van, and show notes and articles made by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really does help us promote the show a lot. So we're a new show. If you guys want to share the love, share the awesome things you found here, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter at Keep It Cryptic. That's K-E-E-P-I-T Cryptic. Or you can find us on Medium or Steemit at a bit cryptic, A B I T C R Y P T I C, kind of like the show name, a bit cryptic. Again, that's on Medium or Steemit. And we have other articles that aren't just podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening. And as always, keep it cryptic.